0: Welcome back to Return to Odyssey Season 2. I'm Josh. I'm Rachel. And we're back to once again analyze old Adventures in Odyssey episodes. We're now in the second album titled
1: The Wildest Summer Episode ever. This is the third title for this album. It started out when it was released on just cassette as Grins Grabbers and Great Getaways, released in 1988.
0: And that's the version that my family had.
1: Ours too. Then when they released the Audio Gold series, they titled it Stormy Weather. And then in the early 2010s, when they were rebranding a lot of Odyssey stuff, probably after episode 50, they called it the wildest summer ever. It was repackaged with new artwork.
0: And that makes me wonder. I kind of understand the new artwork a little bit, but I don't understand the retitling. Why would they... Switch the title.
1: I don't know. They have a note in the wiki that this is the first, quote, thematic album. So if you look at, for example, the episodes, there's lots of summer-esque things. The Family Vacation, Camp What a Nut, VBS.
0: The Last Great Adventure of the Summer. Of the Summer, yeah. They
1: may be all grouped in this theme of stuff that kids do or usually do during the summer.
0: So this is Phineas and Ferb, Adventures in Odyssey.
1: Yes, it is. That's fun. Things to look forward to, we already said camp, what a nut, but also they introduce Kids Radio in this album, and they introduce the Barclays. Who Who
0: actually come into the episode we're about to cover, but before we get into that, we need to talk about our sponsor.
1: Yes! Return to Odyssey is sponsored in part by Audible.com.
0: If you're not already familiar, Audible.com is a great source to download not only audiobooks, but also things like interviews and commentaries and comedy sketches Mm -hmm. and news clips and all kinds of good stuff for your ear holes. Yes. This week, our recommendation is a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield.
1: It is narrated by the author, Rosaria, and it's half- Theology half observation memoir about what it means to practice Christian hospitality.
0: Yeah, she's a pretty incredible lady. And she talks about opening her home and how that has affected her family life and her husband, who is a pastor, and what it means to open your home to people and to your community and And to plan
1: for that, make a lifestyle that accommodates and
0: to use it as a means of spreading the gospel besides that it's beautifully written it is really really a tremendous book and we can't recommend it it highly enough
1: yeah so go to audibletrial.com return to odyssey for your first month free trial which includes free audiobook and two free audible originals and download that one as your free book
0: and with that Let's start talking about the Barclay family.
1: Okay, so the Barclay family, I was very excited because the Barclay family feature very heavily in my memories of Odyssey.
0: Yeah, they're huge. They're some of the first kids that come up repeatedly and that Mm -hmm. the stories center around. Jimmy and Donna are major players yes. in this series, at least in the early years.
1: Yes, I think Album 2, with the family vacation, kicks off a more concerted effort to collect a group of repeat kid characters. They're starting to populate Wit's End and Odyssey with characters that we get to know as we go forward.
0: Yeah, which is a really strong storytelling move on their part. Mm -hmm. We complained a bit in the past about these characters that kind of showed up in previous episodes just to serve whatever moral they were trying to present. Mm -hmm. And the characters themselves and the stories kind of suffered as a result. With characters like the Barkley family, we now have characters to attach to who can serve any number of different purposes mm-hmm. in any number of different stories.
1: And they start operating more like we've seen Connie operate in the first season as well. So you have multiple personalities who are growing and changing and learning lessons of various kinds. And so.
0: it's interesting because Odyssey is both a family drama but also a family comedy mm-hmm. when it's at its best and you yeah. have elements of both and For a good drama to work, you need interesting characters. For good comedy to work, especially Adventures in Odyssey-style comedy, a lot of it is character-driven humor. If you don't know who these people are, the jokes themselves aren't really going to work for you. It's all about having these varying personalities clashing against each other.
1: And we've talked about this before, especially with Eugene and Connie. So what would Eugene do in this situation, for example, in Promises, Promises, and how would he react? That's part of the comedy.
0: Which, unfortunately, he does not Come in this album no, yet so not yet. We'll, we'll get to him
1: sit tight but anyhow as is our want we're gonna talk about the barclay family characters the voice actors behind them and what those voice actors have done aside from adventures and odyssey if anything Weirdly, for, not a ton. For
0: the kid characters especially, not much. Jimmy is voiced by David Griffin, and we found a little bit of stuff on him online where he apparently was trying to write and produce a couple audio drama things.
1: Yeah, he had a couple pilots.
0: They were out. sci-fi things. One was mm-hmm. kind of a zombie thing, I think, or a post-apocalyptic. Another was a science fiction thing. And interestingly, Katie Lee shows up as the voice of a supercomputer or yeah. some such. yeah robot thing in that mm-hmm. but they were just pilot episodes it didn't really seem like anything went anywhere with those
1: beyond that we couldn't find anything else aside from lots of interviews with him on various adventures and odyssey podcasts and even the official adventures and odyssey blogs and stuff talking about his time in adventures and odyssey which was extensive it was like 23 years did he say long time. something like that he's the only boy actor that focus on the family kept after his voice changed
0: also the only kid character at all who carried over after hale smith passed away and they got a new wit
1: yeah donna barkley is played by azure Janosky, and we actually couldn't find anything yeah searching on
0: imdb and stuff not a thing
1: there is an actress named azure but that was it i think it was a pseudonym
0: yeah and it looked like she played voice work for a couple of video games and stuff not much so it might
1: be the same person there was no picture there's, attached no, there's to no indicator
0: it, so. to me that it is so
1: yeah george barkley
0: chuck bolty Odyssey producer. He showed up before in a previous episode as Dr. Schnitzelbonker doing this crazy mad scientist voice. And here we hear him doing what I assume is really his normal voice. Yeah, As George Barkley as
1: the dad. I think that's possibly the only normal voice he does because he does a whole lot of one-off characters for Odyssey that you don't really recognize. George Barkley is the only one that you would by name. So, yeah, that's fun. Beyond that, he hasn't really done a Time. before odyssey he acted in this christian superman spoof thing called super christian yeah where the hero was called clark cant k-a-n-t
0: yeah it sounds
1: bad yes
0: or is it Clark Kant, as in Emmanuel Kant, because oh now I'm getting really intrigued. Then that
1: could be interesting. But, but no, I, I seriously doubt it. He was in that. He also helped produce Odyssey cartoons and the Story Keepers series, which is, I think, another focus on the family.
0: I know nothing about
1: it. Okay. So that's what he's done extra. With Odyssey, he has produced 370 of the episodes and directed 13 of them. Mary Barkley was a character that actually surprised us.
0: She was played by four different actresses over the course of the character. It's weird. I have no real memories of Mary Barkley as a character. She's kind of generic mom to me. Yeah. Just as like George Barkley is mostly generic dad.
1: He has a little more character progression as they get into the episodes in the 90s, but... Mrs. Barkley doesn't really.
0: Yeah, she's just kind of there. We need a mom, so here she is.
1: Mm -hmm. So the first actress, the actress that we hear in Family Vacation, is Maggie Maluli, And actually, this is her only appearance as Mrs. Barkley. And then our hypothesis is they switched her after Family Vacation to June Kendall because that's her next appearance in episode three. 34. So this is episode 3134. She shows up as June Kendall, which
0: is Connie's mom. And then she's June Kendall for...
1: The rest of her tenure With at, Yeah.
0: She doesn't have that much TV credits. She showed no. up in a handful of things. She was on The Waltons. She was on...
1: Bewitched, The Brady Bunch, Yeah, Gun, but always Smoke. only
0: like one episode of each show. No character that is a central figure in any of these shows.
1: Mm-hmm. Then they switched to Patricia Paris, and Patricia Paris was early Mrs. Barkley, if you think about it. So I guess the cutoff would be... 1990 she was in about 10 episodes from 1988 through 1992
0: and her tv credits are actually quite extensive she was in a lot of tv a handful of movies she did like minor voice work in balto and stuff like
1: yeah she was in the littles tv show which is based on the book She was in The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, if any of you watched that.
0: She was the voice of Kanga and of Christopher Robin's mom and of the mother Heffalump in that cartoon. Mm
1: -hmm. She's also in the American version of Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. If any of you are Studio Ghibli fans, she's in the English dubbed version. And then did a lot of work with some Hanna-Barbera cartoons, lots of Disney cartoons, DuckTales... Gummy Bears, Back to the Future TV, and then she was in Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock as Mama Gorg from 1987 through 88. So that's about a season of Fraggle Rock.
0: Something like that, probably. That's fun. Most interesting to us, though, were two productions that came up that have such a large amount of Odyssey cast that we're discovering. First we'll mention is Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I've brought up in the past. Sorry, everyone, making another Christmas Carol reference. Not for the last time, right. I'm sure, because a Christmas Carol is just the perfect book. But the Mickey's Christmas Carol cartoon, if you have access to Disney Plus, it's on there. We watched it with our kid this year, and it was really funny. And it's only like half an hour long. It's well worth your time yeah. if you're an Odyssey fan, because so much Odyssey voice work shows up in it. Oh, yeah. Hale Smith is the voice of Goofy, who's Jacob Marley mm-hmm. in that. Ellen Young, who's the voice of Jack Allen, is Scrooge McDuck, who is Ebenezer Scrooge in this. Mm -hmm. Will Ryan, Eugene Melsner, and Officer Harley, and Harlow Doyle, is Willie the Giant, who's the Ghost of Christmas Future in Mm -hmm. this version. And Patricia Paris is actually Daisy Duck, who is Scrooge's love interest before he gets all sour with greed and whatever. So really minor part. But it's so fun seeing all these Odyssey actors in a cartoon all together. The other thing we need to mention, and if you listen to our show at all, you might see this coming. She was also a member of the cast of this really cheapy, cheap Disney puppet show titled Dumbo's Circus, which if you've been listening, then you'll remember Walker Edmondson was on it. Hal Smith was on it.
1: Katie Lee was Dumbo. And if if you remember from our episode where Connie comes to town, we talked a little more in depth about it, but that show finished in 1986. And Odyssey started in 1987.
0: If I could ask one question to the Odyssey producers, I would have been like, so what? Did you go to the set of Dumbo Circus on the last day they were rapping and say, okay, all of you actors, if any of you want another job, sign up here. (laughs) Sign
1: contracts right now.
0: I don't know how everyone came wholesale from this one random show.
1: It's super fun.
0: But anyway, yeah, Dumbo Circus. She played the cat, apparently.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So that's Patricia Paris. Then there's about 5 episodes in 1988 and 1999 where this other gal, Trisha Allwright, played Mrs. Barkley. I'm not sure why. It was very small time. We also couldn't find anything about Trisha Allwright. And then from 1993 through 1997 for 18 episodes, which is the bulk of mrs barkley's appearances carol bilger played mrs barkley and carol bilger's voice is the voice i remember as mrs barkley she's the mom after jimmy's voice changes which is weird to have that as kind of a marker but i remember jimmy barkley as jimmy barkley with a deep voice as a teenager
0: and i don't as much i listened to way more of the ones where jimmy and donna were kids yeah I heard him when he was a bit older and it always felt weird to me.
1: It felt weird. But that was when
0: I started not listening to the show as much.
1: Oh, okay. It felt weird listening to earlier episodes. My family listened to them kind of out of order, I guess. But when I first heard him as a kid, I was like, did they get a different actor? What's going on? Nope, his voice just changed. We couldn't really find much for Carol either. She might have been on this animated show called The Bionic Six as Mother One. But there was no. But that's photo not a attached. show that anyone's ever heard of. Yeah, there was not a photo attached with that actress on IMDb either, so I can't say for sure. But that's it for the Barclays.
0: In terms of the cast, yeah. I don't know why they switched the voice actor for the mom so many times.
1: I'm not sure. It might but have been. it's a thing that happened apparently. Yeah. Another fun bit of trivia about the Barclays is that when they were coming up with names, they chose names that were all cast from It's a Wonderful Life. So Donna is named after Donna Reed, who is the actress who played Mary Bailey. Mary Barkley is named after the character of Mary Bailey. George Barkley is named after the character of George Bailey. Who and is
0: played by Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. And of course, Jimmy Barkley is the boy character. So they did this weird mishmash of the actors and characters names yeah for the entire family i think that their goal with the Barclay family was to be this average american family mm-hmm. not to say that these are cookie cutter characters but they were looking for kind of generic mom generic dad generic son generic daughter these are everyman characters
1: yes i think so
0: And with that all out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the core story. I think you mentioned before that this is a two-part
1: episode? This is, yes. We'll be doing both parts this episode, so it might be a little longer of a podcast episode. We'll see. The title is Family Vacation, Parts 1 and 2.
0: There's no sketch from Chris this episode.
1: Mm -hmm. She comes in after Wit's intro... Essentially just introducing the Barkley family. The Barkley family is getting ready for their summer vacation and Jimmy is going to keep a journal of what happens. And this is something that she did all through album one. Introduce whatever one-off kid character we were meeting as though we already knew who they were.
0: Yeah, and giving this commentary about this and this is going on with them right now. Let's listen in.
1: So then we go into Jimmy's narration, saying that his teacher has told him to keep a diary of the things that happen in the summer. But I think diaries are for girls, so this is the journal of Jimmy Barkley.
0: Yeah, and I kind of remember being a kid and having that same idea, diaries are for girls, but boys can journal. And I don't know if that was... Partly because of hearing this or other pop culture type things that fed that idea.
1: Well, if you were a girl in the 90s, there was so much stationery and diaries and notebooks and all kinds of stuff that were marketed to you as a girl.
0: Yeah, I don't think that stuff was marketed to boys.
1: And things like Lisa Frank started... Drawing and producing things in the 60s, and she was still going quite strong in the 90s. So yeah, oh yeah, 80s, 90s. 80s. That was
0: all like the neon, neon animals pink and leopard flowers print
1: and, and puppies. And, and that was
0: the stuff that was anathema to a little boy in yes, that era.
1: Yes. So I think some of that is largely cultural. I mean, where did we get that pink was a girl's color and blue was a boy's color?
0: So when Jimmy's going to journal, it's more like a captain's log.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, he begins on the first night, right before they leave, and they're watching TV, but they're supposed to be packing. And Donna is complaining about, why do we have to go? Why can't I stay home? I'm 12. I can stay home by myself, right?
0: Sure you can.
1: Yeah. And then she kind of turns on Jimmy because Jimmy's like, Donna, come on. Mom said we had to go pack. Oh, shut up, you little runt. I'm going to be stuck in the car with you for three days. Which is extremely rude. And that's something
0: that we notice as we're listening to this. Jimmy and Donna don't just bicker. They're really snippy and rude with each other.
1: Donna, I felt more so than Jimmy. I mean, at this exchange, as an example, Jimmy's like, Donna, come on, let's go upstairs. Which, as a little kid, it might be, I know mom said, let's go pack. But to turn around and say, quiet, you little runt, that would have earned us yeah, great that... wrath from upon the mountains. Well, um, and, and we
0: never spoke to each no. other in my household that way. I feel like they might be shooting for a sort of realism with the way that kids talk. But it doesn't ring true to me a realism
1: that a quote-unquote realism that pop culture in that era adopted
0: yeah think about things like steven spielberg movies that were popular at the time the The Goonies. goonies E.T. The kids are just horrible to each other, especially the siblings.
1: And they have foul mouths. And of course, this is focused on the family. You can't have foul mouthed children. Yeah,
0: they're not going to be all sweary (laughs) like in those movies, but they still have the rudeness. And I think that's kind of a product of that era of cinema, even.
1: Yeah, and they might be playing off of that, but it really isn't how kids talk to each other most of the time. I you hope would think. not. I hope.
0: I don't know. I remember kids being nasty to each other, and I remember kids being nasty to their siblings, but this wasn't common among my friend group.
1: Mine either. So I'm not sure. Another thought we had was they're going to Florida. They mentioned this earlier, and we've established Odyssey is what in the Chicago? Yeah. very far from Chicago. So it does not take, depending on where you're going in Florida, it does not take three days to get to Florida. So on the one hand, we do red-eye driving. We get up at 3 a.m. and drive from South Florida.
0: Up to North Carolina. Up to North
1: Carolina, and it takes about 12 hours. Considering the way that they are behaving with one another, the Barclays might just have a habit of stopping frequently.
0: That long in a car with... Kids that are being rude and awful. snotty to each other yeah. is just For the not parents pleasant. sanity.
1: They might be like, every hour we stop and do something because these kids are gonna drive me crazy. Who knows? But it felt a bit weird that it's gonna take them three days to get there from Illinois. I was also getting family vacation vibes, National Lampoons family vacation vibes. How so? Because they're going on a summer vacation to Florida. And the structure is very similar too, because National Lampoon's Vacation begins with them in the living room, and the dad is plotting out their route to go to Wally World. And then, as the story progresses, it has very similar beats. I don't want to say too much because we're no one dies. No one story. dies in this one. No one dies in this one, though. Fortunately, they don't have any relatives who die. So we go back to Jimmy's narration about the packing process, and he says, Mom used to pack for us, and it would take her half an hour, and it took us almost all night. So,
0: how does it take almost all night to pack?
1: Well, I could tell you. What are you doing? Turn off the TV. Go pack. What are you doing? Oh, I found this and such. Put that down. I I told you. Honestly,
0: for me, if I was just packing for myself, 20 minutes.
1: Oh well, these are 12 like, year old and an 8 year old maybe 12 year old and a 10 year old
0: Yeah we're not really told how old Jimmy, Jimmy is. is
1: No and you hear Donna also saying where are my white shoes I can't wear my pink jeans without my white shoes so She's being very particular about specific things that she wants. Jimmy is like, I'm done! Well,
0: and he says he's done, but what he has packed, his mom makes him unpack everything. And I
1: wrote down the list of what yeah, he Yeah, it's
0: just a bunch of toys. He has
1: comic books, a baseball glove, his piggy bank, army boots, a yo-yo, a cassette player and tapes, three model sports cars, and his overlord space blaster. And she's like, wear your clothes. And typical boy, he's like, well, I'm wearing them. This is my favorite outfit. And she's like, someday I'm going to pull that off of you and give it a decent burial. But you need more clothes.
0: Yeah. And this is such a typical little boy way of thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost Tom Sawyer-esque.
1: Almost, yes. So she makes him repack his suitcase like three times before there's enough clothes and underwear and socks and stuff to meet with her approval. And then he can go to wit's end. Something I goodbye.
0: noticed also about Jimmy, and it's just David Griffin's performance. He's not whiny. Like we've complained about some of the other kids being whiny, mm-hmm. but he sounds sad he all sounds the time. Put
1: upon. He's
0: got this kind of delivery where. Everything is just sad. And I don't know why that is. It's just, it's the way that he talks. And
1: he does a lot of commentary in this episode about this is how I perceive things, but that's not what happened. Like, I didn't understand why she made me pack three times and give me underwear and shirts that made my neck itch it's that he's not comprehending the sense that his mother is imparting to him by teaching him how to pack clothes that you don't have to wash a bajillion
0: times yeah he's not annoyingly gripey i did just have a feeling oftentimes like he just needed a hug or a pat on the head yeah, and be like it's, it's okay it's okay little jimmy it's all right it's
1: like Olaf's song in frozen 2 this will all make sense when you are older
0: so after packing, he asked if he could go to Witsend,, Wits yes. and his mom said, sure go ahead and he wanted to go and say goodbye to everyone
1: which my thought because he makes the comment that packing took almost all night and i thought how late does wit's end stay open and what is his perception of night
0: yeah what is all night is it three in the morning she's like go traipse across town by yourself yeah. to wit's end somehow i it doubt must have it It just
1: afternoon they must have had the beginning of
0: so maybe like after supper it took him half an hour to an hour and he's like uh the TDO tedium. Tedium,
1: it's so late. Does Wits stay open after supper?
0: That would make sense for uh, it to stay true, open yeah. after supper. I wouldn't think that it would stay open late. It doesn't strike me as a late night place.
1: Yeah. It's clientele is eight, basically kind of kids. Yeah. And there have been scenes where adults have gone in the evening to wits end. Sure. Yeah.
0: But usually yeah. accompanied by children.
1: Usually, yes. Or they have to go talk to Wit and have him dispense wisdom. So she permits him to go to Wit's end to say goodbye to everybody. And Wit's talking to him about his vacation and gives him a package that he's been working on, which is called Wit's Boredom Buster.
0: And he says that you are not to open this unless you are
1: absolutely without question, no doubt about it, as bored as you've ever been in your life.
0: Yeah, and that phrasing is used several times mm-hmm. throughout the episode. Absolutely, without question, no doubt about it, as bored as you have ever been in your life. And that's when they're supposed to open the package.
1: Yeah, and not Because he
0: says that car trips can be boring, so I'm giving you this gift.
1: Mm-hmm. So he gives it to him, and then he says, have a good vacation, Jimmy. We'll miss you in Sunday school, which is... About the third time?
0: That Wit is referenced as being a Sunday school teacher. Or filling
1: in for Sunday school or something like that, yeah. It would be interesting
0: to have some scenes yeah, of that. I don't
1: think I ever remember scenes of Wit teaching Sunday school.
0: I think he would be a great Sunday school oh, yeah. teacher. But like we talked about before, I don't know how he holds down all the other teaching and everything that he does.
1: Well, because he's wit. He's had a bajillion careers, and he can manage it fine.
0: It's not even just a matter of how does he do everything. I would ask, when does Wit get fed? What feeds Wit's soul? That's true. Because if he's pouring into these kids all the time, it would probably be really important for him to be sitting and getting teaching. We don't really see that. He has people who he trusts. He bounces stuff off of Tom Riley Jack and Jack Allen later in the series and stuff like that. But we don't really see people teaching Wit. We don't see him sitting in church listening to a sermon.
1: And that is very, very necessary. And that's not something that I thought of as a kid, but Wit as a he's possibly not an elder in their church, but he is essentially an elder a disciple. oh he absolutely
0: and, fits that role oh,
1: absolutely and those men especially need to be fed and need to be encouraged and if you have somebody who's not and you don't see the need for that they're gonna burn out
0: and mr yeah. whitaker is of course not a real person he's a cartoon right. character he's superman surfing ice cream but that was just kind of an observation i had
1: yeah i hadn't thought about that too you brought it up that's really important So then we go back to the Barclays and you have a scene in the garage where George is trying to make sure the car is in good shape with a DIY manual and Mary's very unsure.
0: And he is confidence itself, Mm -hmm. but really just luster, because I don't think he even really believes he knows what it's doing.
1: Well, and Mary makes the point of, remember when you tried to do the DIY fix the bathroom and now the toilet backs up every time we turn on the shower?
0: He's like, ah, but this is different. Got this covered. And he really doesn't. So I sympathize a little bit with this. I know basically nothing about cars this is a pre-youtube era mm-hmm. he couldn't just look up a video and watch someone else fixing the thing he's relying on manuals and stuff to his credit he's not deeply frustrated to me oh no this would be me getting fuming i, I would not be
1: in mary's <laughs> position if josh was working on our car by himself with a DIY or YouTube, I would be far, far away trying to get as much other stuff done so he would not have more stress because I have never seen him so angry as when he's trying to do things like this.
0: My version of fixing a car is holding the flashlight while my dad or my father-in-law is (laughs) doing the part that's actually complicated and requires actual knowledge.
1: So my thought would be, does the car really need to be fixed or to tune up At the very least, go take it to the oil change or something. Also, why is Mary putting up with the toilet backing up every time someone turns on the shower? We'd have one or two times of that, maybe, and I'd say, We're calling a plumber. This is ridiculous.
0: She's a very patient woman.
1: <laughs> she is, indeed.
0: But all that said, as he is putting the car together, it becomes almost like this Tim Taylor home improvement chaotic, ridiculous thing.
1: horn goes, or the alarm, and then yeah, the radio ev- turns everything on. Everything
0: that he presses winds up turning on something like that. He finally winds up being able to turn the car on by beeping the horn. It goes beep and vroom, vroom, vroom. Aha, there it is, purring like a kitten. And Jimmy in his narration makes this pithy comment like, yeah, well, dad mostly fixed it. Now to turn the wipers on, we have to push in the cigarette lighter, Yeah, which all of this is technically impossible. These things are not actually connected, but it makes for good slapstick.
1: Well, it depends on electrical stuff. I mean, my dad rigged a little switch for the automatic locks in one of our cars with a switch and an icebreakers can. Because the electrical stuff went haywire in one of our vans, and it started doing locks up and down, and the windshield wipers. It it felt like the car was demon-possessed. And so my dad did tinkering, as he usually does, and rerouted it, and we can turn it on, and now we can lock the automatic locks, or we turn it off.
0: With an icebreaker's can. It
1: was a switch that he mounted in an icebreaker's can.
0: That's that's some MacGyver (laughs) stuff going on here.
1: Yeah. It was fun. So... Then we go on to the rest of Jimmy's narration, and he talks about their mom made them go to bed early because they're going to get up early, which flies in the face of what you're supposed to be doing in the summer.
0: Because in the summertime, you're meant to stay up late and eat pizza and drink Coke. He said sadly. He said
1: sadly. (laughs) So then they get up after he's finally gone to sleep, and they're all piling in the car, and they're turning off faucets, and has everybody gone to the bathroom? And then George is like, oh wait, I forgot my briefcase. And... Mary gives him this bit of a lecture, like, George, you said there would be no work. We are tired. We're going to have a vacation as a family. You said this would be family time. No work. If you bring work, I might as well bring projects. And then, what is the point? So he ends up saying, yes, you're right, Mary. Which is actually wise. It is wise. It brought up that we don't really know what he does and this is later in the series actually made a joke of that jimmy and donna don't know what he does either
0: he says oh i've just got a couple reports to go over and he needs his briefcase but it's kind of just the old-timey generic I'm going to the office, (laughs) stereotype, which is not a job. No, But okay. What do you do? What do you do at the office? No one knows.
1: I'm reminded, here we go again. We need to keep a tally at some.
0: Of how many times we mention A Christmas Christmas Carol, Carol. because it's come up maybe every episode in some way.
1: Almost, because I was just reminded of Sam the Eagle's line in Muppet Christmas Carol, you will love business. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You will learn here, business. It is the British way. So finally, all that's done, and George looks at the clock and says, oh, hey, we're 52 minutes late. That's a record for us, which I just sort of went cross-eyed when I heard that because if that had been our time Getting out of the house for a family vacation. My dad would have been so stressed out.
0: Well, to be fair, that's kind of the way things go-ish for us, oftentimes. Well, I don't
1: s- expect us to go, usually, at the time. You say, let's get out of here by 11. I'm like, you don't understand what needs to be done. Yes,
0: but that's what winds up happening. And it is winds that up- I say, let's get out by X time, and an hour later, we're getting out the door. That's not abnormal for me. For a big road trip.
1: This is true. Also, usually, in my memory, you know my family's a planner. We had planned, we get this done, this done, this done, this done. We have been talking about what time we want to get on the road. Mom has been probably up all night getting stuff together. Our road trips tend to be, do you want to go to Busch Gardens tomorrow? Let's get out of here by 11.
0: Or do you want to go to North Carolina! <laughs> Carolina tomorrow Tomorrow. (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) so there's a bit of a difference but yes you take it quite well I think if I had planned let's go tomorrow at this time or if I had planned let's go in two weeks at this time when we were an hour late I would also be super stressed out anyway so we move on to Jimmy writing in his journal. They've been driving for a bit. And he says, it's kind of bumpy right now, so I don't know if you can read this or if I can read it in the summer when I remember all the good times. And he's like, it felt like we've been in the car for months. And then he's like, are we there yet? No, not for another two days. But are, are we somewhere? I'm starting to get car fever and the walls are closing in. <laughs> Jimmy, we've been driving for 20 minutes. Oh, Okay.
0: And it just stops.
1: Then he and Donna start bickering again.
0: Yeah, and it's been 20 minutes in the car, and and they're at each other's throats. Move
1: over, you're in my space, your comic books are everywhere, your cassette tapes are everywhere. It's because Donna's so fat, she takes up so much room. And the parents are like, stop arguing and they don't stop it's they like just two keep, or three times of the parents going. saying cut it out knock it off you just take up too much room nah, 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 nah. all right apologize Uh-oh. yeah
0: and the nana 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 thing i was like does this even as a child what is going on here
1: yeah at the beginning of this whole thing i would have said we're only 20 minutes out if you continue to behave this way we're driving home we're putting all those toys in the house and you will have the rest of the trip with nothing and you will be quiet i don't understand how the parents are so calm with that kind of behavior in the back seat they are actually interrupted by a big bump they run over something.
0: And I'd Donna think. is worried that it's an animal. And Jimmy's just like,
1: it felt like a cow! Oh, I know, and the guts are spilled all over the place! <laughs> George goes out and looks for it, and he comes back, and Donna's like, can we bury it? We're murderers! We've run over somebody's pet! And he's like, well, we could, but why would we want to do that for a piece of tire rubber? Tire rubber?
0: And that's it. The whole thing comes to nothing, and they keep moving on. And I feel like a lot of this story, especially part one, is these weird little vignettes that don't really go anywhere. Well,
1: my hypothesis, especially since this is the first episode with the Barclays, is that they spent a lot of their story time on introducing us to the Barkley family. This is how the Barkley family operates. This is who the Barkley family is because we're going to be with them for a while. And it is possible that they introduced them thinking that they would be here for a while.
0: Oh, I think that's absolutely the case.
1: So we're going to spend time with them so that you get to know them in a way that you haven't gotten to know any of the other kid characters. And even
0: the setup of a family road trip is a great context to get to know these characters. Mm
1: -hmm. And the way that a road trip goes usually is similar to this. Stuff happens. We don't set out to run over a piece of tire rubber or find the dinosaur museum that we found on a road trip to Orlando one time. The weird dinosaur that's Yeah, but well, we haven't offense. gone in there. We haven't gone. But you find stuff on road trips because it just shows up on your route. This particular scenario of them running over the piece of tire rubber... I felt like it was similar to the technique that they use in horror films where the very beginning, the first act, something scares you and you think the monster's coming and it's like, oh no, it's somebody's cat or what have you. Yeah. Because it's foreshadowing when actually the legit scare is. And this one, we already have a sort of concern that the car might not be in great shape because George has been tinkering with it.
0: Yeah, but. that's not great. And then they hit this thing and maybe a foreshadowing of death. Dun dun
1: dun!
0: <gasps> because they're like,
1: oh no, we hit a pet. Who knows? Anyway.
0: But it comes to nothing.
1: So George says, can we go now or should I notify the next of kin? And they drive out.
0: And then the music kicks in and it's this kind of country-western and as soon as the music came on, instant nostalgia for me, I was like, oh, I remember this soundtrack bit, which is weird because I don't have a lot of deep impressions of a lot of Odyssey soundtracks. Yeah. But this one was kind of cool and fun.
1: Mm-hmm. And it fit with where they're going. They're driving through fields and nothingness. And then, according to Jimmy, they stop by a diner thing where everyone calls you honey and the waitresses look like my grandma, my, my before, great, she my grandma before, before she died. My great-great-grandma before she died. died.
0: <laughs> Not complimentary. No.
1: So then they keep driving, and their mom suggests for something to do, that they sing some praise and worship songs that they have sung at church. Which is
0: a good idea. And
1: Jimmy's like, it was fun. But after an hour, and you Mom is in the front she's seat. She's still singing. Well, weirdly, she's singing,
0: I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart.
1: Where? Down in my heart. No, he just said where once.
0: Oh, he, did, he, like, no, he didn't go
1: on. Okay, I can take a hint.
0: Okay, so everyone's bored of this, but also that's less a praise and worship song. If we sang that at church on Sunday morning as part of our worship service, yeah. I would be kind of weirded out and disappointed. It's fine as like a kid's
1: VBS song. VBS yeah.
0: camp song, but it's not a phrase and worship song it, really yeah
1: it somehow lacks at least in my opinion somehow lacks a bit of the gravitas that is appropriate for yeah
0: there's the no service. <laughs> there's no before the throne of god above right. i have a strong and perfect plea yeah a great high priest whose name is love whoever lives in pleads for me there is some weight there is theological depth to some of these great hymns and even some modern songs well that was a
1: pretty modern one i think that was a 21st century one that you just quoted
0: i guess generally for songs in church i want songs that draw my attention directly to christ directly to god the father directly to issues of sin and salvation and grace and all of the richness of the christian faith Mm -hmm. i've got the joy 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 down in my heart to stay and I'm so happy, so very happy. It's fine, it's but it's fine.
1: It... But where's the theology that's backing that up? Because it's not a false statement.
0: Yeah, it's just a.
1: It's two inches deep. Yes. So anyway, diatribe <laughs> over.
0: Grant <laughs> <laughs> done. Yes.
1: I also have to make note that Mary's not even hoarse after an hour of singing. That's pretty good. She's got some pipes. Yes. At that point, Donna's batteries run out on her Walkman. Which, on the one hand, I'd say you are severely unprepared if you didn't bring another set of batteries for your Walkman. Also, she
0: plugged in her headphones, so she's listening to whatever. Something else, yeah. She she's like, wants. "I'm done
1: singing. <laughs> I'm listening to something else." Then she's like, "Oh my gosh, the batteries went out!" And then she starts complaining about, "I'm so." bored. I want to go back to Odyssey. Why are we here? Why are we going on vacation? And George is like, I don't understand why you get this. There is more to life than your friends in Odyssey. You need to broaden your horizons. This could be a grand adventure. And I was baffled at the boredom of going on the road trip And maybe it's the way that we took road trips. We were always really excited to go.
0: We were too when I was a kid. And even as an adult, there's something fun about, hey, we're headed out. We're going on a trip. And yeah, we are going to be stuck in the car for a while. But that doesn't mean absolute tedium. It's a time to relax and eat snacks and chat and... Listen to your music, if that's what you want to do, plug in your headphones, mm-hmm. or listen to an audiobook or an audio drama yes. on the road. There's all kinds of fun things, or read your own books if you're not prone to car sickness.
1: And the way that Donna is presented in this episode and in other episodes, she's very narrow-minded and mm-hmm. materialistic. And at the same time, with episodes like Karen and An Encounter with Mrs. Hooper, they pull out a depth in her that doesn't show up super often but she then ends up seeing me like a really divided character so i remember as a kid not knowing quite what to think of donna when she was younger because the bulk of my memories of the barclays are when they were teenagers and they had a fine relationship she and jimmy actually had a pretty good relationship which is
0: different from mine because i listened to more when they were this age
1: So maybe that division was intentional, or maybe it was just that they could not make up their minds what they wanted Donna to be. I don't know. So as George is talking about, this could be a grand adventure. We're exploring new things. Jimmy's like, hey, There's a guy on the side of the road. It's not
0: entirely unusual to see someone walking along beside (laughs) the road. But Jimmy assumes that he's a hitchhiker and he's like, hey, should we pick him up and help him out?
1: I think Mary makes the point of, was that his car back there that we just saw? Maybe it broke down. Maybe he needs help. And George is like, still, I don't know. And Donna immediately jumps to, what if he's an axe murderer? Which is
0: really weird. Was she listening to a crime show on her headphones, or why would she immediately? Like that's not the first thing I think of when I see someone. He's probably an axe murderer. What?
1: Okay. And George is like, yeah, I I don't know about that. Extreme
0: conclusions here. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he's like it's just not a good idea to pick people up off the side of the road. You don't know who you could pick up. It's just not safe. It's not
0: entirely safe for entirely safe. a guy with a family and all of that. He
1: says, "If my car broke down, I wouldn't expect anybody to pick me up."
0: And his car dies. <laughs> and this dude starts approaching.
1: And George can't figure out what's going on with the car, and he gets out, and Donna is freaking out in the back seat. Here comes the axe murderer.
0: So as this was happening, I'm having flashbacks to Flannery O'Connor's story, A Good Man is Hard to Find. So was
1: I, which was lost on me as a kid. Which
0: I don't know if they were intending to reference that because, boy, that's dark subject matter to be messing with in an odyssey episode it is to anyone who's not familiar with it it is actually a very good short story i'm a huge flannery o'connor fan but in the story a good man is hard to find there is a family going on a road trip and they get waylaid by a serial killer who systematically murders every single one of them the end it's very dark although because flannery o'connor the kind of author that she was she was catholic And her stories are all meditations on sin and grace. She is very, very much a Christian author, Mm -hmm. although not at first glance. You got to kind of dig into her stuff to really suss that out, what she means. So that said, there's more to this story than just a killer murdering people.
1: Yes. She has a point.
0: Yeah, there is a method to her madness, but there is a lot of madness in her writing. All that said, that was what I thought of when listening to it through adult ears and just like, oh my goodness, that's grim.
1: Yeah. During all of this, George is looking under the hood and he's like, I think it's the radiator. And Mary's calling out the window, I don't think you're supposed to take the cap off while the car's still hot. And he's like, Relax, I know what I'm doing. And
0: there's ominous music in the background. Yeah,
1: and you keep hearing Donna saying, Here he comes, he's getting closer, here comes the axe ex- murderer. And then he takes the cap off of the radiator. And you hear radiator. this
0: hiss and he shouts.
1: And that's the end of episode one.
0: Da 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 da. Cliffhanger.
1: But we're not going to leave you on that cliffhanger. We are still here finishing out episode two.
0: And the story kicks in. It turns out that the guy coming up, surprise, is not an axe murderer there to murder all of them. Actually
1: very nice.
0: Voiced by the same guy who's Bernard Walton.
1: Which I just about lost it because I didn't realize he was this early In Odyssey, I thought he came later, and so when I heard his voice, I was like, wait, 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 wait! Oh my goodness! It's not
0: actually Bernard Walton, and fans of the show will know who Bernard Walton is. He becomes a regular character on Odyssey. But it's so fun to hear these voices before they are used for the characters that we know them as.
1: Right. So he comes up and he's like, You do know that you're not supposed to take the cap off the radiator when the car's still hot. <laughs>
0: and apparently he did not know that. Um, so thanks after I have now scalded myself yeah. severely.
1: So he looks at it and he's poking here and there and he's like, Your carburetor's bone dry and the radiator's not the problem, it's your fuel pump. So he offers to walk George back to town. About I don't know how many miles to
0: get a tow truck. Four track. or five
1: miles to get his tow truck, and Chorx makes a crack about, "Oh, what do you think of hitchhiking? Are you kidding? You don't know what crazy people could pick you up." And
0: obviously, this is kind of a pre-cell phone era cell phones did obviously exist in the late 80s, but they were not ubiquitous.
1: Yeah, a family like the Barclays might not have them, unless George had a company car and there was a phone in his car or something. Probably
0: not, though. We have no reference to that.
1: No, we don't. So they go back to the shop, get the tow truck, come back out and get the Barclays car, and Jimmy talks about the guy letting him drive in the cab with him and they find out his name is Chester, but he wouldn't tell them his last name. He said everybody called him Chester, and they should too which is kind of weird because it's not respectful to call grown-ups by their first names which is something we grew up with too and had to adjust to when we became adults
0: yeah i remember after i graduated high school i was still pretty young and people i had known all my life as mr Mm so-and-so or mrs so-and-so being like oh just call me and they say their first name yeah, and And "Uh it felt weird and bad i'm like uh no thanks yeah i'll keep calling you by your last name forever
1: And they get to the shop, and Chester calls the distributor for the fuel pump. And the way that Jimmy describes the shop, which is like shop, store, gas station something think very very small town america where you might have one or two stores you might have one stoplight if you had a stoplight yeah
0: probably like the town that we grew up in when we were kids it's grown up a lot since then
1: i pictured even smaller maybe think about where they're going could they be in virginia at this okay. point and i've been in backwoods virginia is-
0: this is probably the kind of town where you can have access to a grocery store and a gas station, mm-hmm. but you might have to drive half an hour to get to either of them.
1: Yeah which is sort of like the town we grew up in, but we also grew up around towns like that as well. The town we had to go to the DMV for our county was like that. And then I had friends who lived in a town in Virginia similar to that, and I went and visited them. And this feels, especially the trajectory that the Barclays are driving, probably they're in Virginia or North Carolina or some state like that. Could be. So... (laughs) The way that Jimmy describes Chester talking to the guy who's going to get in the fuel pump, they spent an hour talking about how somebody's cow had a baby and somebody else's house got painted. And then he finally got around to asking him about the fuel pump. And the part wouldn't be in until Monday. And it's Saturday, right? Now.
0: Okay. So, them spending a long time chit chatting about other stuff, this is kind of a Southern culture thing mm, true. that they get right in they this do. episode. Yeah. I have vivid, vivid memories of scenes in my boyhood being at church workday events Mm -hmm. early in the morning before anything is getting started. And you have a group of men standing around. They've all got tools and shovels and junk. And someone's brought some Bojangles fast food biscuits. And everyone's just standing around eating biscuits drinking coffee shooting the breeze and the birds are singing in the trees and the sun's coming up and there's dew everywhere and no one's in any big hurry to get any work done there will be a lot of hard work and Mm -hmm. a lot of work Mm -hmm. will get done but everyone's kind of taking their time to get there and that's very much the world that i grew up in
1: yeah so it's saturday they can't get the fuel pump in until monday and George and Mary are like, can't get it any sooner? And George is like, you can't just fix it so we can get where we're going without the fuel pump?
0: This just shows that he really doesn't know anything about cars. And Chester makes a yeah, comment. you don't He's really like, know anything
1: about cars, do you? He doesn't. No, yes I do!
0: Yeah, but clearly he doesn't. Yeah,
1: no. And Chester says, yeah, even if you did, that wouldn't fix your fuel pump. You need a new one. So they ask, do you have a motel here we can stay? And he said, "Nope, there's the Daisy Inn. Of the next town over about 20 miles away
0: but it's not all that nice and how about this you guys come and stay at my house i've got guest rooms i've got plenty, plenty of space of room, yeah. and you can come hang out with me and my family and my wife will cook for you and we'll get your car taken care of in the morning
1: and they're like oh no that would be too much of an imposition he's like no it wouldn't be in an imposition at all you think on it while i go get the tow truck and george says He's either very generous or he's up to something. Which is fair. Yeah, Like,
0: that's what I would think. That's Either true. he's the coolest guy ever or not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And not really anything in between.
1: Yeah, because somebody, unless they're super generous or not to be trusted, would not invite a stranger over to their house.
0: To stay the to night. To stay the night.
1: And this is a bit that I actually really liked because it felt very normal for the Christian everyday experience. He said, can you give us a sign, Lord? It's just, just quick, shoots like... up this
0: silent prayer.
1: And Chester comes back and he said, well, I just talked to my wife on the phone and she insists that you come over and you all can come to church with us in the morning.
0: Or says something about she's making food for the church picnic.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And George's like, That seems you. like a sign. <laughs> um, seems like a sign. So they go. And... We paused here because it turns out that he is just super generous, but it shouldn't feel, this is Christian hospitality. And this should be feel... normal
0: within the church.
1: Yeah. And part of the reason why we recommended The Gospel Comes with a House Key for this episode is because Chester's family is an example of what church hospitality and what Christian hospitality should look like. And we really appreciated it.
0: And it's not a matter of being flashy or showy or no. anything like that. It's just a matter of sharing life together. hmm And opening your home and opening yourself and saying, hey, here we are and let's do life together.
1: Yeah, and Chester's wife, Grace, what do you bet he called her? That might have been laundry day. Her her kitchen was probably a mess if she's making food for the picnic and then she's having to make dinner. And then, oh, okay, so maybe we need a little extra food and there's laundry still being folded on the couch. And and... there's other
0: stuff to be done. They have a son who has chores to do and so they send Jimmy out with him to get Mm -hmm. the chores done.
1: Yeah, but she didn't bat an eye when he's like, I have this family who needs a place to stay. She's like, sure, come on in. And, and I don't know her personality, but there's an element. No, yeah, we're she- not really giving yeah, much. Yeah, you sort information of need to get over yourself episode. when it comes to having people in your home. As yeah, it normally yeah, is. yeah, there's
0: a difference between having guests and being a host, as opposed to
1: opening your home to people.
0: Yeah, opening yourself to people. And there is an appropriate time to have guests and be a host. That's not really what's going on.
1: With no, not in this episode. Chester no. and his family. So yeah, they come in and Jimmy describes Grace making his mom just sit down and do nothing because I know what it's like going on a road trip with all these kids. Grace has had something like eight kids. Most of them are grown except their youngest. And she's like, you need to sit down and rest and your daughter can help me. And Donna's like, what? I was just wondering if you had batteries. Oh, you don't need batteries to help me peel these potatoes. Come here and wash your hands. And ropes Donna into helping with the dinner. Yeah. While they're making dinner, Jimmy is sent to help their youngest son, Ted, sweep the back porch. And they're allowed to play on the porch when they're done. And I don't remember having very strong images of the house, but this could be like big colonial I'm house imagining with a giant back porch.
0: Yeah, because Jimmy seems like, we get to play on the porch after we're done. Well, it's just a porch. Or is it just a porch? Yes. Is it an epically big deck? And that's what I'm kind of picturing here. But anyway, they're sweeping the porch and Jimmy is like, hey, do you want to play Overlords of Space? Our brooms could could be be our lightsabers! lightsabers. Uh, I left my laser blaster in the the car. car. But Ted's reaction is, that doesn't sound like much fun.
1: Which... That doesn't sound like much fun. And Jimmy's like, well, what do you do for fun? Oh, we play David and Jonathan. What? David and Jonathan, you know, from the Bible? And then he starts talking about last time my friends and I played, we were
0: getting attacked by the Philistines Philistines at Gibeah
1: and listing off historical battle from the Old Testament as though Jimmy should know. You don't know about that.
0: And to be fair, that's cool.
1: Oh, yes. Totally awesome. And... Kind of blew my mind a little bit because it's not something that I thought about as a kid. But I'm reading through those stories with my son right now, and the idea of my son playing King David and Jonathan out in the woods—those are epic and stories. David and worth his mighty men. Out,
0: yeah, that's the stuff that could feed boyhood imagination and should. That said, there is an inherent bias in Odyssey yes. against science fiction, and we have kind of a bone to pick here. We are science fiction fans. We're science fiction writers. And for the immediate thing, oh, it's from space. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. What are you talking about? That sounds like tons of fun. Yeah.
1: And And even if it's not something that he's super into, or the impression that I got was he doesn't know what that is. I can see a realistic scenario being, what? I've never heard of them. And Jimmy being like, what do you play? and then but, we go from there
0: but for them to have that that doesn't sound like fun yeah, line yeah he's
1: instantly disdainful
0: and i would say that the writers themselves are yes. disdainful by association this is an inferior way to play it, which, to be fair to Jimmy, though, this is
1: imaginative play
0: still. this yeah, is Yeah,
1: he's not requiring any other apparatus beyond a broomstick and a porch.
0: And these stories that he wants to make up may be just as packed with nobility and sacrifice and honor and all of the good things mm-hmm. that I would say boys should play at as they are growing into men. The same stuff that is the stuff really of of the David and Jonathan yeah. epics, this little boy and his friend's play both feed the same stuff. One is based in historical and biblical fact. The other is based in fantasy. But one form of play is not inherently better than the other.
1: When you're talking about pretending. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up going back in the woods, and Ted shows him his fort that they've been building, and they have another battle with the Philistines, and they chase and the them into the obviously. creek. Yeah, and they're having a gale time, and they come back to dinner sopping wet, because
0: they've been playing in the creek. And yeah, in the Grace woods.
1: is like, "What which, have I told you about playing in the creek before dinner?"
0: Which we did all the time as kids too. Oh, yeah. Like it, this, this is, is my childhood. childhood: building forts and playing in the woods and we playing had in this the creek.
1: Fantastic. Thr- three-foot hole in our creek that had been created by a big log. And so my best friend and I would essentially mud wrestle. We would be trying to push each other off the log. It was great.
0: Yeah, well, and we would go swimming and collect bamboo and
1: Mm -hmm. old cow
0: bones, and that was our summer.
1: It was awesome. So I got a bit of a hiccup when Grace says, what have I told you about playing in the creek after dinner? And he's like, I'm sorry, Mom. We had another battle with the Philistines. We had to drive them away. And she's like, oh, well, did you catch him? We've passed over the, I've told you not to play in the creek before dinner. Now you're sopping wet.
0: And she immediately is like, oh, as long as you are playing. When I just told cool. you
1: not to play. I
0: okay. guess if you're pretending cool. Bible story stuff, then it becomes okay to disobey your parents.
1: Maybe? I don't know. Okay. But that is a nitpick. I'm being
0: harsher and more nitpicky, obviously, here than the situation warrants.
1: Right. So then we shift to the next morning, very, very early in the morning. Ted wakes Jimmy up. To go milk the cow. And Jimmy's like, what? She said you wanted to see me milk the cow. We gotta go. Wait, wait, can't she milk herself? I'm so tired. He's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Come Let's on. Let's do it in the morning. It, it is morning. morning. It's still dark outside. And he gets up and he sees George walk in because George had said he was going to go fishing with Chester. And he's like, hi, Dad. Oh.
0: Yeah, specifically they said they would get some fishing in before church. Before church,
1: church, which if their church starts at, what, 9.30? And who knows how far it is from their house to the church.
0: It's still dark outside. It's early. And these are early morning people. And the Barclays apparently are not.
1: (laughs) So that was fun. And then they get to church and the kids Sunday school teacher introduces Jimmy. We have a new person in our class named Jimmy Barkley from a little town called Odessa. Odyssey. What? Odyssey.
0: Yeah, that's what I said, Odessa. So So, another nitpick here. No one has that kind of accent and sticks to it. This was ridiculous. It's one thing to mispronounce something Mm -hmm. and then have it corrected and then say say it right.
1: Or try to say it right. Or
0: try to say it right. This guy doesn't apparently even hear the difference between Odessa and Odyssey, which I'm sorry. It's a very
1: distinct difference. It's not like saying hill two different ways.
0: Yeah, this isn't an accent anymore. It's belligerence. Yeah.
1: Which sort of bothered us because... It there seems to be a fine line in Odyssey between how small town you can be and how citified you can be.
0: Yeah, because this almost becomes a joke about this guy is so hillbilly that he doesn't know how to pronounce the word Odyssey. But Odyssey will also make jokes at the expense of city slicker type people. So there seems to be a very narrow type of small town that is acceptable in Odyssey and it's possible to be either too citified or too redneck in order to fit in either side of that spectrum is worthy of derision and that feels unfair
1: yeah even if it's mild derision
0: This felt pretty mild but at the same time it kind of was like no wait a minute come yeah, on
1: they don't talk
0: like that Give this we guy don't a break talk like that.
1: So he starts his lesson and they were going through the story of Noah. And Ted leans over to Jimmy and says, I forgot to warn you. I don't remember the Sunday school teacher's name. Yeah, he's not like other teachers. He's not like other teachers. He really wants us to feel what it was like to be there and to experience the story like it was in Bible times. Which on the one hand, this is great. He has an epic Sunday school teacher. Jimmy also has an epic Sunday school teacher, yeah. Mr. Whitaker. Yeah. Which Mr. Like, Whittaker was referenced is super in the previous epic. episode. Yeah. So you just wonder, maybe it didn't capture Jimmy's imagination the way it did the kids in this Sunday school class. That being the case, the teacher, to give them all an idea of what it's like to live on an ark, brings, brings in, in all tons the farms. of
0: animals. animals. Yeah. And there's chickens and goats. And, and then
1: they get out during the service. Sheep. And that's funny. At the same time, I was a bit disappointed that the teacher's epicness was turned into a opportunity for comedy.
0: Yeah, but this kind of fits the small town. Bumpkin. Small town bumpkin, but also in a good way. This is the stuff that makes memories. That's true. And this is Jimmy recalling his summer vacation, or an event on his summer vacation.
1: And it was definitely memorable for him. So the pastor's sermon was interrupted by farm animals running down the center aisle. Which would be great
0: if you were a Hilarious. little boy. And great if you're an adult, too. But <laughs> really great for a kid. But anyway, after church, there's the church picnic. And there is tons so of food.
1: much food, food and, and there's... Yeah, there's sack races, races,
0: and Jimmy Jimmy meets the other other little boys.
1: And they all go into the backwoods behind the church and have another battle with the Philistines, and it's epic and awesome. and...
0: And Donna is sitting by herself.
1: Jimmy describes it as pouting by herself underneath a tree. Yeah. And nobody can get her to play anything
0: and her mom comes up and is like
1: hey join in and she's like, like eh. no. why do you have to be this way why are you choosing to if this was have with your friends
0: attitude? in odyssey you would be having fun and she's like yeah but it's not with my friends in odyssey and, and now, i don't want to be here
1: shoes and stuff like that Which brings us to some thoughts about Donna.
0: Okay. So Donna is given a really bad rap this episode, but I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here and say that she's really not wrong. In a sense, events are what you make them. She could choose to be having a good time. And she's
1: not. And and she's
0: not. And we can certainly say she's not got a great attitude. But let's look at the facts of this situation. Her dad has found a buddy to go fishing with and chat with and learn about his car with and stuff like that. Mom has found a friend in Grace. Jimmy has found a whole horde of little boys who want to run and play and be ridiculous and be little boys together. Donna has found no one. Either there are no girls her age at this church or... Which is it,
1: entirely possible or, if you think who are wanting... church...
0: Or, also possible, the girls her age, either through cattiness and clickishness, or just complete not thinking, mm-hmm. are not engaging her. And maybe she's not of a personality she, to, to put, put herself, herself out there. there. Either one of those situations, why is she not having fun when all the rest of her family is? It's not necessarily because she is an inferior person or she's being bad jimmy went off and played in the woods and got soaking wet in the creek the most fun thing that donna's been given to do is peel potatoes yeah. and denied her music i'm sorry i kind of feel for her i'm on she her set side up in this for one.
1: failure with this situation so could she have a better attitude mm, yeah is she having fun No.
0: And is she likely to have fun as things are set up? When she says that throwing horseshoes is kind of dumb, I kind of have to agree. If you are not with your friends or people that you are wanting to have fun with. Could she engage with her parents and do this? Of course she could. And this is part of what having a good attitude would Mm -hmm. be. But it's not the same as, here's a bunch of my friends, you know, wanting to have sack races. and Some activities, the fun is more in who you're doing them with and how you're doing them than the activity itself.
1: Yeah. So, all that goes down. And Jimmy... Finally remembers Witt's Boredom Buster that somehow he has when he left his blaster in the car.
0: Yeah, he's carried this random box from Mr. Whitaker. I don't know, but he has. And I like that it comes up. By the time this comes up, I don't know if it's intentional on the part of the writers, but I had almost forgotten that it existed. Yeah,
1: it's never referenced until now.
0: Yeah, it comes up at the beginning of the story in the first episode. And then we're getting near the end of this episode. And Jimmy's like, so I am not beyond a shadow of a doubt, whatever he says, as bored as I've ever been in my life. But you are. And he gives it to Donna. And she opens it. And it's this elaborate puzzle box with Mm -hmm. dials to turn and levers to shift and lights that turn on on. and all kinds of Things to twist and turn and push and pull. And here it is. It's this weird gadget puzzle box. There's actually a label. Tab,
1: yes. Turn me on. And so she spends uh, most of the rest of the picnic trying to figure out how to turn it on. She finally gets it to work. And it lights up. And there's music. And this
0: is the Odyssey theme yeah. music. Do,
1: do, 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 do. And it's like, hi there.
0: Mr. Whitaker's voice comes on. A speaker or maybe it's a projector i almost picture like r2d2 in star wars (laughs) the little bloop and there's a little mini mr whitaker hovering (laughs) above this device you've
1: just solved with boredom buster you have been so bored but just think of it all the time that you spent playing around and trying to get this to work has been time you were not bored so that just goes to show you how even a silly little thing if you put your mind to it can keep you entertained now Go find something else to do. And I'm like, seriously?
0: Yeah. That's it. Although, I don't feel cheated by that. It's not.
1: Yeah. It is all true. Part of me just felt a bit cheated. And maybe it's the way that the show is set it up. I
0: don't know. As a guy who is fond of puzzles and games and stuff, the journey is the reward. This is true. Coming to the end of a game, of a computer game or of a puzzle or whatever, there's something satisfying about putting that last piece in. But the ending of the game is like, well, it's over. Whereas while you're doing the activity, that's the fun part. It is. So
1: she's excited and she feels the sense of accomplishment like, I got it to work. Yes.
0: And that is really what a good puzzle should do. It should make you feel like a genius when you finally solved it. And Donna is pumped at her own genius of mm-hmm. outsmarting Wits puzzle that he designed.
1: Yeah, so then they're able to encourage her like, okay, the last game is the tug of war. Are you up for helping out? She's like, yeah, okay. So they put her in the front of the line because Chester says she's been sitting around all day. She has the most energy. And they pull and pull and pull, and she ends up getting pulled into the mud.
0: And she winds up laughing, and she's she's just having a great time. And 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 finally, all is right with the Barclay family. Mm -hmm. And they say their goodbyes to Chester and his family because their car is fix the next day, and they promise they'll stop by on their way back. And they have made, presumably, lifelong friends.
1: Yeah, there's no reason not to. I mean, if this is their route going to see their family in Florida, which they talk about, they're going to see their cousins in Florida.
0: Why not stop by there for an afternoon or something?
1: Yeah. So, that's great. And they're heading out, and they've been on the road for maybe an hour, a long time before Donna realizes that she left her Walkman back at Chester's house. And... She says, that's okay. She doesn't need it anymore. And that's kind of the end. Okay. (laughs) Um. I
0: understand the point here. But a Walkman is an expensive thing. Yeah, we
1: actually looked it up and before 1984 Walkmans were in the 100 to several hundred dollars. 1984 Even in came out with the first though, quote cheap Walkman which was $40, but like the new models in 1988 were still 100-110. Yeah, so maybe how nice 85. was the one
0: that Donna had? Like either yeah. way, that's, that's a kind lot of a money for a 12-year-old. Thing. Also, I understand the point they're trying to make here, but there's nothing bad
1: about listening to music. Well, yeah, as somebody who at Donna's age was very fond of my Walkman and my tapes and did a lot of listening to music.
0: And that can be a healthy thing. Sometimes as a kid, sometimes as an adult, you need some alone time, you plug in your music and you just chill out a little bit. So for them to be like, oh, she doesn't need it anymore. She's outgrown that is what's implicit in this
1: it's just silly
0: yeah you're using wanting to listen to music as literary shorthand for discontentment Mm -hmm. and you're drawing false comparisons here so that's the end of the story and then chris comes on at the very end to wrap things up for us
1: She says, looks like all the Barkley family learned something, and even Donna learned a thing or two, and what happened to Donna is something we should all consider. Do you remember the lesson? It's what we get out of something often depends on what we put into it. If you have those times when you think you're bored, then maybe you're not trying hard enough not to be bored. For instance, if you're riding in the car for a long time, rather than sit and complain that you don't have anything to do, make up something for yourself, like reading your Bible or singing praise songs from church. You could even have a contest with the rest of your family to see who can remember the most Bible verses and where they're found. Or you could play an Adventures and Odyssey tape. It might also be the perfect time to talk to God about the things you've been meaning to say to Him. If you use your imagination properly, there are lots of ways to keep from being bored.
0: Okay. This is fair. This is She's
1: not this wrong.
0: Is, this is true, but boy is it pious.
1: <laughs> it felt to me like the character Elsie Dinsmore, her series was written in post civil war and it's of an era that was Very concerned with writing extremely moral tales for children.
0: And so all of the things she lists to do, they they are fine, but like, you want to amuse yourself? Read the Bible, or recite Bible verses to yourself, or pray, child. Okay, that's... That's
1: what Elsie Dinsmore would do if she's trying to think of something to do. At eight years old, she would do that. I feel
0: kind of like a jerk here,
1: but... It feels very unspiritual to be complaining about this, but at the same time... It, it
0: feels falsely over-spiritual. It does
1: feel falsely over-spiritual for this to be the only thing that you suggest to a child who is complaining of boredom, or who potentially could be complaining of boredom. And but at the same time, we can say, these are also good habits you should cultivate, and good things that you should invest time in, whether or not you're
0: bored. But anyhow, and I anyhow, think you get the point. Yes, So, this was our introduction, obviously, to the Barclay family. And honestly, I did not go into this episode with high hopes. This was one that I kind of remembered not caring much for Mm -hmm. as a kid,
1: but I kind
0: of liked it.
1: Yeah, I remember not having strong feelings about it as a kid. And it's a decent episode, but beyond that, I don't have extremely strong feelings about it. It is encouraging because this was more entertainment than we have had in Odyssey for a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's nice to be able to have an Odyssey story that we have overall pretty positive feelings about. The first part really kind of meanders and doesn't go Mm -hmm. anywhere. And it's almost fluff to the point of not really contributing to the core story much at all. But that doesn't mean that it's bad.
1: Well, this felt like what I remember the fun entertainment odyssey was when they were not trying to tackle deep subjects. And this very definitely is something that's not trying to tackle deep subjects to the point of it's a very relaxed message at the end feels tacked on trying to spiritualize something that's not as heavily spiritual.
0: Also, this story is much more relaxed than a lot of them because it's a two-parter where not a whole lot of plot happens. It's not super compact, yeah. You have room to float through the story. It's Mm -hmm. a very comfortable story.
1: Yes, that's a very good descriptor.
0: But beyond that, I really don't have many other thoughts.
1: Neither do I. So, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to get in contact with us, tell us your thoughts about this episode, thoughts about the show in general, thoughts about Odyssey, you can email us at serpentanddovespecfic, that's S-P-E-C-F-I-C, at gmail.com.
0: And until then, we'll see you next time. Bye!